home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. <laughs> Sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Hello. Hola. It's me. Shannon Farron. We all know how this goes. That the government shows up, tells us how much they care, and they do nothing. Gary Hoffman. I believe we'll make it out of here because, because I choose to believe it. From the makers of the 33 comes Gary and Shannon. I eat rocks. I get pretty sick. So, Monica. Yes. What's with this rain? I don't know, but there was no rain in Florida when I was there last week, <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> which I thought was okay. amazing. And then All I come right. back here and I'm like, oh, do I really want to go back to Florida? So, how long is this going to last? My high, my Florida high? No, oh, the, rain. the rain. Oh, the rain? <laughs> I'm not a meteorologist, but I think till Friday at least. <sighs> Yeah, I saw that the the flash <laughs> flood watch is have been up or will be up through tonight, um, or at least through eleven this morning. I guess it is so flash flood in effect until eleven o'clock this morning. <laughs> Thomas Hill, Woolsey Stone, South Creek, Latuna, Burn, Scars, of Ventura, and L.A. County. What are you, a meteorologist? Well, I. <laughs> President Trump's former personal lawyer Michael Cohen back on Capitol Hill today for a fourth day of testimony. This is the Democrats are pursuing investigations all over the Trump White House, uh, all over the, the Trump businesses, all over the Trump campaign. I don't know if you, if you caught this, but there was an interesting comment from Gerald Nadler, the uh, chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Remember, he's the one who's 80 plus people have had documents subpoenaed or documents requested, technically. Mm-hmm. He was on uh, CNN and was asked about, hey, what exactly are you doing? What are, what are you looking for here? And he's like, well, I don't really think that – I mean, I don't have any evidence of obstruction. I just think – and CNN actually pointed out, wait a minute, you don't have any evidence of it. Okay, so now you're not sure he's obstructed justice? Personally, I think he has, but we, okay. have, to, we have to look I and see. If did. we're going to do anything, you have to have proof. Uh, I think there's a lot of evidence, but we have to, we have to get a lot so more evidence. So that's what this is about. You don't yet have part, the proof. It's part of what this is about. Why would you think you had, he had proof? Because he seems like – 
He seems pretty dead set on he knows what he knows. When I, he, when I, he admits, I thought that the whole purpose of the letters and the, and the future subpoenas is to find proof. Well, the thing is, there's got to be some amount of uh, uh, evidence to point to a crime in the first place for you. I, I can't just subpoena Shannon's records from sure college and be like, I'm pretty sure there was that time you got busted for that thing. Sure you I can. Think. Throw that net out there. That's what exactly what they're doing. I'm trying to find some proof. Well, uh, oh, R. Don't, Kelly. No, wait. Before we get to that, we forgot. Okay, so now you're not sure. We forgot to mention this. The Jonas Brothers were in the building today. We go together. Oh, right. Uh, and you were so starstruck that you wouldn't even go upstairs with me to give them a Gary and Shannon t-shirt. Hold on. Now, let me be clear about- You got all blushy. Okay. And you it's got because- giggly. And you and Isabella were like, no, we can't go. This was a weird intersection of causes for me Mm -hmm. where I don't feel like I can support the Jonas Brothers until they include all of the brothers. Well, there is a there is a fourth brother. I'm Frankie. And listen, until Frankie gets the credit he deserves. Frankie hasn't done anything, Gary. I'm not a Jonasite. He's actually an actor, I believe. I think he's in some things, but he's not part of the group. He's much younger than the other Jonas Brothers. Okay. The Jonas Brothers, when they were the Jonas Brothers the first time, were not much older than Frankie is now. You seem really intent on getting Frankie into this group. Well, when Nick and... Who are the other ones? Nick and... Joe. Joe and and Kevin. Kevin finally see Frankie as a true quarter of who they really are, mm-hmm. then I'll support the Jonas Maybe Frankie can't then. sing. Maybe it's not his gift. Not a... They still have musical instruments. Like, they play like the, the cymbal? Tambourine we or something. Together. Or the woodblock. That is a good song. Woodblock. Anyway, I went hunting for the Jonas Brothers with Jonathan, our intern, and Nick. And they're gone. There way. was one guy that looked... Like a Jonas Brother, maybe. And I asked him, are you a Jonas Brother? And you know, he legitimately responded no, like like it was a real yeah. question. So you, you know they're going to be in our building tomorrow, right? No, they're here today. Yeah. Oh. Today was the day, Monica. I miss good things. <laughs> That's why there was a gaggle of women between the ages of 17 and 24 downstairs. Oh, I, I posted I our... I guess they dispersed by the time I got here. I posted our hunting expedition uh, on Instagram. All right. R. Kelly. R. Kelly sits down for 80 minutes with CBS This Morning and Gail King. God, Gail's getting a lot of gems, isn't she? Well, you're killing me, man! I feel like Gail blew this one as well. Who would have done this interview? Well, let me rephrase that. If Charlie Rose was still working on CBS This Morning, would Charlie Rose have done this interview? No, I don't think that's the right fit. All right. I mean, outside of the allegations of sexual impropriety on the behalf of Charlie Rose, I'm just saying. Gail King sits down with R. Kelly. She says the interview went on for about 80 minutes. Now, obviously, we don't have the whole thing, and they only played about 14, 15 minutes of it. But when Gail King starts asking R. Kelly about these allegations against him, the new charges uh, against him, he at first was very calm. About all of this. And when Gail King said, why do they have all, why do the, these women all have the same story? Why would all these women tell these different stories about you if they were not true? And they don't know each other. 
That defies logic to me. Right, right. Until you hear the explanation. You can start a rumor on a guy like me or a celebrity just like that. All you have to do is push a button on your phone and say, so-and-so did this to me, R. Kelly did this to me. And if you get any traction from that, if, you, if you're able to write a book from that, if you're able to get a, a, a reality show, then any girl that I had a relationship in the past that I, it just didn't work out, she can come and say the same exact thing. Hmm. That's the argument against... That's his argument for exoneration is, well, they could read the same blog. This is frustrating because Gail King doesn't push back. I didn't think she pushed back enough. But when she asked him about whether or not he had sex with underage women. Have you ever had sex with anyone under the age of 17? No. Never. No. I have to tell you, it's so hard to believe that. Wait a minute. First of all. First of all, he's on video having sex with a 14-year-old and talking talking about the fact that she's 14. Don't forget he married Aaliyah. And everybody knows that they changed the birth certificate to make it sound like she was 19 or whatever age they put on when she was 15. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, listen. I have to tell you, it's so hard to believe that based on all that we've read. I'm going to tell you something, Gail. There's one you. I'm going to tell you something. What women said about you. What women said about me. What women. So nobody's allowed to be mad at me and be yeah. scorned and, and lie on me. Mm-hmm. So they're lying on you. That's your explanation. They're lying on you. Absolutely. Okay. Aaliyah's first album, by the way, age ain't nothing but a number. Right. That, that's, that's, <laughs> the okay. evidence is so large. The pile of evidence. There's more to this interview, and there's two specific parts I want to play you when we come back. At one, one point, them... he stands up. He's pounding his chest. He's pointing at the camera. They had to turn off the cameras yeah. at one point. <laughs> I can't help 30 years. Robert. That's gro- Robert. Grown man. Calm down. Grown man. That's what he is, a grown man. Calm down. Uh, We'll play that whole part for you and also why he feels he's a victim. He clearly plays the victim card in this. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. That was nice of you to take your daughter to a woman power movie. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, it wasn't the greatest movie in the world. Well, that's just because it's about women's power and you know. No, 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 no. Those messages, I think, were good. Okay. They were clear. Like, you can be anything you want. Right. Even if you do crash a light speed test plane and get your blood transfused with an alien, like, you can, it's okay. You can still be anything you want. Uh, which is clearly what the message was. Anyway, uh, bottom of the hour, what you watching Wednesday. We're going to talk not only about leaving Neverland. We're going to be talking about uh, The Bachelor. Two very, very different shows that we're going to be talking about. Come on up. But first, the R. Kelly interview with Gail King got a little crazy. He was very emotional. He was irate. He was crying. No wonder he likes to hang out with teenagers. His maturity certainly is not at an adult level. 52 years old, I think, is how old he is, 52 now. Um, He's living with, by the way, a 21-year-old and a 23-year-old girlfriends. He refers to them as his girlfriends and then said, I mean, I've known guys who have had like five or six women. So 
By the way, somebody went and talked to the parents of that 23-year-old girl, and they say it's been two years since they heard from their daughter. They say R. Kelly won't let her contact them. Uh, Let me see if I've got his comments on that. And the latest, by the way, is that he's been charged in Chicago with sexually abusing four females. These date back to 1998, and they include three underage girls, which, as you heard before the break, he vehemently denies ever having sex with some someone under 17, uh, under 18. Right. There's real young girls out there being abducted. He said, by the way, stop paying attention to me. There's real stories of abuse. There's real young girls out there being abducted, being raped, okay? They really are on chains. They really do have chains on their uh, on their wrists, and they can't get out. Robert, and they're ending up buried in. Deep. Robert, we have to have a conversation. Really, I, I don't want you just ranting at the camera. Well, I, think I came here for them to hear me okay, talk. But I need help. What kind of help? This is the kind of help I need. Yes. What kind of help? I need somebody to help me not have a big heart. Because what? my heart is so big. Too big. Oh, People man. betray me, and I keep forgiving them. Okay. Uh, he's then he's punching yes, his you're the he's punching his own fist you're the there. Victim. Totally the victim. Uh, here is him losing his mind early in the interview. Robert. Stop it, y'all! Quit playing. Quit playing. Robert. I didn't do this stuff. This is not me, y'all. I'm fighting for my life. Y'all killing me with this. I can't help thirty years. I'm a Sorry, Robert. 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 Thirty years. I'm not real. I can't hear you. Y'all trying to kill me. You're killing me, man. This is not about music. I'm trying to have a relationship with my kids, and I can't do it. Y'all just don't want to believe the truth. You don't want to believe it. At this point, we briefly pause the interview to give Kelly a moment. Yeah, his, his <laughs> PR guy comes in. They, they put more makeup on him. Yeah, they calm him down. His publicist is in there, and then the cameras start rolling again as he's getting his makeup touched up. By the way, after the interview, at least the first portion of it aired, they did the roundtable thing that they do. I think Jeff Glore is there. Um, Nora, yes, is there at the desk, and they're talking with Gail about this interview that she had done the day before, whatever. And and they asked, did you feel threatened by that? Because the video is he gets up out of his chair. They're, they're sitting in the yeah. old Barbara Walters chair-to-chair, knee-to-knee style, and he's up out of his chair, very animated. To see, though, his behavior, his temperament, is I think what is probably what is most revealing of this interview as well. The pounding of the fist, the getting up. I was worried about you. I I was actually worried about you when I saw the pictures. Well, it's funny. A favorite son, favorite daughter, and Oprah all called me and said, were you afraid? Did you think he was going to hit you? I actually never thought that. I think that he was, I thought I might get accidentally clobbered, but I didn't think that he would deliberately try to hurt me. I never felt in danger talking to him. I don't know where to go with this. I think that uh, that that Gail had an opportunity there to lay so, out a couple of very specific instances where he's been. That's not her lane. She doesn't do that with anybody. She didn't do it with uh, with, uh, with Jesse Smollett. Smollett. The no, other that's day. not what she does. You know, but, she's but, not Barbara Walters. <laughs> okay. Then why? Then I don't understand why do the interview. Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I, it's like you can't. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, they've got to get somebody in there who's going to do these interviews and, and not be fluffy about it. And that's exactly what she was. I mean, she was very. Um, it's like she didn't want to offend him or something. She was very maternal. Right. You know, right. I mean, when she's talking, Robert, R- Robert, watch your vo- inside voices, right. Robert. Right. 
We're doing an interview. We're don't, being polite. She's like, don't just rant at the camera. I mean, you're talking about a guy who is being who has been charged with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse. You don't need to use your kid gloves on this guy. Yeah, there was you an know, inter- light him up. Don't don't let him get away with that you, uh, to throw a tantrum and then not answer any questions. You mentioned the parents of one of the girls that he's currently living with that's yeah. been trying to get in, uh, in contact with her. Their family's attorney is a guy named Gerald Griggs. I'm appreciative for the interview because it confirmed what we already knew. It confirms that when he's pressed, he gets angry. He lashes out, which is what America saw. And so now I'm hopeful that the prosecutors will use that tape against Mr. Kelly. I'm also hopeful that they will make contact with Joyce Savage immediately because imagine if he would do that on live national television, what he would do behind closed doors. Yeah, that was an excellent point. I don't know if prosecutors get much out of that interview other than showing that he does get angry when he's the pressed. The temper, yeah. But we'll All right, coming up next, the Michael Jackson documentary. People still can't stop talking about this. It is very upsetting. I had to turn it off. I tried to return to it. I couldn't. I just didn't want to hear any more of it. I I did say to my wife, you know what? We're just watching funny movies from now yeah. on. No, no more of this. Yeah. It's too emotionally draining. I right. mean, from R. Kelly to Abducted in Plain Sight to to Michael Jackson, it's too much this well, month. Well, it coming is. up uh, at the end of the hour, we will be talking about The Bachelor. So there you go. Yes, we can cleanse our palates a little bit. It's another garbage fire. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Oh, Gary and Shannon, the sheriff in Lee County, Alabama, says everyone who was unaccounted for after those tornadoes have been located. They had a news conference this morning. The death toll remains at 23. The people that they were searching for were found alive. We were talking a lot about the uh, the weather earlier. The, the flash flood watch for the burn area is going to be up until uh, about 11 o'clock this morning officially, but they're... We've seen this before. The threat of slides, mudslides, debris flows, etc., doesn't end necessarily when the rain does. So we got to keep an eye on all of that. It's time for what you're watching Wednesday. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. <laughs> Well, every Wednesday we talk about what's going on on the uh, small screen world of television. We'll get to uh, Petros Papadakis and our Bachelor Report in a few minutes. But the thing that's just been hanging over all of us for these last couple of nights has been HBO's documentary called Leaving Neverland. About a couple of guys who have accused Michael Jackson of sexually uh, molesting them when they were young boys. And it's difficult to it's watch. It's very difficult to watch. And it, it's crazy because I got through abducted in plain sight. That was difficult to watch. But the details in this are so graphic. And the boys are so young. And the pictures. And it's just overwhel- it was overwhelming. I tried to get back into it. I watched maybe an hour and ten minutes of it the first night. And then I had to turn it off. And then I tried to get back into it yesterday. And I just didn't want to be depressed for another hour and a half. Uh, So I turned it off. But something you said uh, actually made me feel a little bit better today. 
because they do talk to the the wives of these guys. They do they do talk to these guys about how they feel towards their parents who seemingly let this happen if it if it's all true. And you said that Wade Robson is still upset with his mother, and that's the thing that I didn't understand with Jan Broberg, like why she yeah. didn't fault her parents at all when her parents were the adults in the situation. They should have stopped that train from running down those tracks, and they didn't. In fact, they went so far as to cover it up once they found out what was happening. But you said Wade is upset or may, is still upset. Yeah, and I I think that that's an I mean, that's there's a lifetime of therapy that these guys are going to have to go through. And and that's not to to say one way or the other if this was the right thing for them to do. As I'm sitting there watching on a Monday night, I was watching the Sunday night part one. And I just thought of these guys roughly my age, a little bit younger than me. But I could not imagine, number one reliving a trauma like that that I had suppressed for so long and not suppressed like wiped away from my memory but had and refused to tell anybody about. Remember, these two guys testified on Michael's behalf in the trial in Santa Barbara and then to be able to come out to not only themselves but to their loved ones. These guys are both married, both have kids, to be able to put yourself out there like that in that in a very public situation. It's the same question I had about Jan Broberg and the Marianne and Bob I- issue. Hey guys, uh, we got approached by a documentary filmmaker who wants to wants to trudge up all of the worst things that ever happened to us in our lives and put it in a documentary for everybody to see. And it's just a it's just hard for me to wrap my head around. Yes. The, now, that being said, I, I, it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. The strength it takes for those guys to get up there and talk about what happened to them. But it's got to be incredibly cathartic. It's got to be something where they can finally get it off their chest. They can finally say, this happened to me. I'm dealing with it. I I never want it to happen to anybody else. In terms of the why, why lie about it for so long? Why say it never happened for so long? It. It did have a degree of shame, it sounds like, yeah. which I can understand being a man, being a heterosexual man and admitting that you did these things or that these things were done to you. It would be hard to 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 admit that that was the truth, that that happened, especially if you were told by somebody that it was OK. Remember, it, right. it, they were told by Michael uh, that this was just the way people show their love for each other. It's just what happens, you know, and it, it's it's going to be our thing, and this is the way we're going to do it, and nobody else has to know about it. And like I said yesterday, I, I firmly believe that we from a very young age are wired for relationships. It's just that we haven't matured into it for very well. I mean, physically, their bodies knew how to react in the event that they were stimulated, even Oprah had said this. Oprah has a long history of, uh, or I don't know about long history, but she had come out and said that she was sexually abused yes. as a kid. And part of the part of what makes abuse so damaging to a child is the physical nature of it, depending on what is going on, can actually feel good so that it's confusing to you. Wait a minute. My body's responding in a way that it's designed to respond to right. something like this, but I know that there's something wrong with it, and I can't quite figure out why. And that's part of what makes it so damaging. So this is a this is just an, an absolutely crazy story, and I'm 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 not going to watch 
Uh, she did an interview with Wade Robson and Jimmy Safe Chuck, and I guess Dan Reed, the uh, the documentary filmmaker. I don't know if I can watch any more of this. I, 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 I feel can't. like I'm full up yeah. on it. Um, one of the questions I had specifically about the documentary was, how did he get all those shots of, of Neverland? Like, good quality, high quality drone footage of Neverland. And it turns out that thing's been on the market for years. Right. Uh, I think four years ago, three and a half years ago, it was up on the market for $100 million. That price has dropped substantially it's at 31 right now yeah a steal considering where this thing is located although you got to deal you got to bulldoze that thing kind of yeah you gotta Start you over. gotta deal with that like you deal with the playboy mansion just burn it all right coming up next bachelor update with petros it's gonna be a good one gary and shannon will continue Gary and Shannon. Hey, in the 1 o'clock hour today, talk a little bit more about that crazy weather we had last night. Something like 1,500 strikes of lightning in just a few minutes right off the coast. And then an airplane got hit by lightning. We'll talk about that in the 1 o'clock hour. But we're in the middle of What You Watch in Wednesday. Petros Papadakis joins us at this time on What You Watch in Wednesday because we get to talk Bachelor and our long national nightmare is coming to an oh. end, thankfully, soon. But not before the fantasy suites. Yeah. This is what happens when you bring a guy on who is at least advertised as a virgin. It's a circus. There's no way this guy has had sex. He's emotionally tugged in every direction by all these different women. It's like he's being pulled apart. You know when you see these movies and there's like a really cute like uh, nymph or fairy or something, and then all of a sudden they have like these evil teeth and their voice gets all low and they become like a devil? Yeah, like the ghost in Ghostbusters that would... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's like all of these people, all of these chicks. And it's just, <laughs> they've scrambled this poor guy's brain. I mean, he is a complete, absolute, just quivering pile of tapioca at this point. It's sad. And I could talk about last night's show with all the women pecking and yelling at each other. But I, I, I never watched that show. I never watched the women tell all because who wants to sit there and watch women yell at each other for two I, hours? I, what, it used yeah. to be it used to be better uh, years ago before everyone had a glam squad on this show, right. like when they were real people. And, and then they would show up for the tell all. And you're absolutely right. They got things fixed. They actually put on real TV makeup, the whole bit. But I now everyone's. Had a mustache. Yeah, everyone's done up to, to the to the tilt, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I just really feel bad for Colton, to be honest. Uh, well, the producer no, uh, tricked him. Yeah, they they screwed him. Some producer convinced him that this chick was a lock, yep. and he went all in. But they also flew his dad out. Production did her dad. Excuse me, Cassie. This girl, Cassie. They flew her dad out to convince her not to get engaged. Basically, they sabotaged Colton's whole life. Here's the dad convincing her not to get engaged. All of this makes perfect sense. There shouldn't be any hesitation in your mind when you meet somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with. None. It's a lifelong decision. It's not something you make if you're unsure. You can't force it. You know, when I met mom, I wasn't looking for a relationship at all. And she came into my life, and boom, I was struck. And those relationships don't come around very often, but when they do, there's no doubt. 
and it's the best feeling. But I want that same feeling for you. Dad, life is not a romantic comedy. Oh, sweetie, get a get a Kleenex. That too. Hey, hey. Not, that dad not, watched one fine day with George Clooney and exactly. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was inspired. Mm-hmm. But look, it is good to say don't force it. I True. mean, that is that is good advice. But don't worry, Cassie's not going to force it. Colton is going to force it. This chick tries. Now, the worst part is the dad is sitting there convincing her to dump the guy while he's sitting there at dinner thinking he's going to lose his virginity. And she shows up and dumps him. And he tries like six times to say, hey, we can go slow. We can do this. I mean, it's just a punch it's after punch really to the solar plexus. It's embarrassing to watch yeah, the one-sided rough. love in this episode. Although we know what's going to happen. Cassie's going to leave, and then he's going to keep fighting for her because it, because he basically told Cassie, you're the only one here I want to be with. Right. Well, yeah, he dumped everybody else with what he told her. I, I spared you a lot of this, but here is the uh, here's some of it. And I love you so much. Like so much. Like so much. But I couldn't but, after today. It's a big one. I don't, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, in love. Ah! Ouch. Uh, Can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. Were you planning on leaving tonight? What? Were you planning on leaving tonight? Mm-hmm. Not because I don't care about you so much. Because I don't know if I can get there. Uh, I, I don't know how. I don't know how she doesn't know if she's in love with him or how, how she couldn't possibly be uh. in love with him when she's known him for three weeks, <laughs> spent, two, well, what... spent three days with him. I love you, but I'm not in love with you, regardless of what you believe or don't believe about the depth of feelings on this show, Shannon, is something that The Bachelor is supposed to say to the contestant. Right. Not the other way around. Like, this is if a guy dies in a jihad, like in Desert Storm, and he goes up to, to heaven and the thousand virgins don't want him. I mean, that's the equivalent of this. This is terrible. I mean, you're the bachelor, so the women can worship you. Am I wrong? Why did he take all those showers? (laughs) If I stop to see this guy take one more shower, I'm going to lose it. I've seen him take more showers than than anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he lost his mind, uh, speaking of losing it, Shannon. And uh, he has one of the more impressive uh, scaling of a, like, eight- to nine-foot wall that I've ever seen in my life. Would you agree with that, at least? An impressive like vertical. Spartan games or something. Yeah. Very much so, like a Spartan race. Good analogy, Spartan race, Gary. that's what I'm looking for. Here is the, the production of The Bachelor acting as if they've lost literally like a panda bear or something. <laughs> he just jumped the fence. Is there a button that opens the gate? Bolton! Open the fence, guys. Open the fence. Open the fence. Bolton! 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 Somebody with a trank gun. <laughs> Colton! Bolton! Here, boy. Come no on, boy. Bolton! 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 Dogs. He hopped the fence and took off. I didn't see which way he went. Boy, come on. <laughs> Does anyone have any idea where he is? <laughs> Holy Okay, yeah. He is gone. What? Yeah. He Hol- disappeared? Holy crap. Please. 
right? God, it's not like one of those girls that was lost in the woods. He's a grown man. Wow. I mean, where where is the torches and the pitchforks? Yeah. Somebody look for a Come granola bar wrapper. I mean, I'm, this is the best. Uh, this is the best news of the show that Colton's gone missing. Everybody, quiet! Just listen for a whistling sound. Oh man, that's his head. Never mind. So he's not going to get sex. Thank you. So what I'm hearing is he's not he's not going to get any sex out of this. Like none of the fantasy suites because he didn't he didn't have sex with Tasha and and the girl that he wants she took off and the the other date with uh, Hot Hannah that's not going to happen now that he told everyone that he wants Cassie and she doesn't want him so no sex for Colton. Well, think about this. What if he really is a virgin and he's got a hostage crisis going on down in his uh, groin mm-hmm. and he's freaking out and he thinks he's going to have it and then he gets dumped and then he's crying like a bitch. And then you jump and then the fence. all of that anger and yeah. pent up sexual energy goes flying over that wall and into the Portuguese darkness. Yeah, that's why everyone should be a virgin at the combine. <laughs> oh, virgin at the combine runs a four flat. Right. Just like you shot at <laughs> Some teams have rules about uh, what you can and can't do with yourself before a game. Uh, I find it to be intrusive. Yes, that's a little. Oh, P, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, P. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Coming up in the 12 o'clock hour, we have a mystery sickness on a flight. Terror in the skies will be coming to you. Also, in the 1 o'clock hour, two sisters apparently conspired to kill their father, and they were only caught after they ended up sleeping with the same man. Uh, The president's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, has gone back to Capitol Hill. Fourth day of testimony. Uh, He is set for a closed-door meeting today with House Intelligence. Testimony could touch on some Russian election interference. Uh, Apparently, he's also turned over documents that uh, show uh, the real estate project that was apparently planned for Moscow, the Trump Tower Moscow project that had been worked on. They aren't talking about exactly what uh, he's been saying inside the hearing room today. Well, May of last year is when there was a man convicted in the murders of five women in Southern California. He was sentenced to death in October of last year and then killed himself at San Quentin the next month. He eventually admitted to eight murders. And there was one woman who was able to get away. Only one. Jennifer Asbenson, and she joins us today in studio to talk about her story and her her healing from everything that happened when she was just a teenager. Jennifer, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for coming in. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Uh, let's. I mean, there's there's so much of your story to unpack. I mean that that is that goes into the story that goes into the survival, the healing from something like that, where you are today as opposed to where you were 20 years ago. Um, yeah. Let's start with uh, with just you as a kid. Where did you grow up? What was your life like? What, what were you doing? My childhood was very unconventional. Um, uh, in my book, it, in my book, it starts out with my childhood because it's. I, I have a book, by the way, um, "The Girl in the Treehouse." It's my, a memoir 
the whole book is unconventional because I use my imagination and go through it um, unlike anybody else has ever done a memoir. But I describe my whole childhood and it was bizarre. Let's just put it that way. It was bizarre. I had no electricity or running water. We lived in the middle of nowhere. Where was that? In Morongo Valley, California. Okay. So the high desert. And we had to move out there because my brother became handicapped. And the doctor said because of this, he would never be able to walk. But he not only began to walk, he began to run. And so he would run, and so my dad said, we need to get out of civilization. So he moved us onto a mountain, and we slept on the mountain in sleeping bags and in cars. And he said, welcome home. This is where I'm going to build a house. And he he built that house for, like, 20 years. And (laughs) so I went all through elementary school, high school, um, getting ready for school with literally with candles. Wow. Um, yeah, and we had no TV. I was very naive. I I like to tell uh, stories a lot to my handicapped brother, uh, you know, just to entertain him. So I would just make things up, fun, fun stories. Um, so I had to develop a really good imagination to be able to deal with my living situation. Um, you know, we had to still water uh, to have water, things like that. Um my my dad built an outside shower, so we had to take showers in the cold. And it, it was just very different. And, of course, it was something I kept a secret from everybody at school. What did you do for food? I mean, if it For food. Oh, gosh. So for food, <laughs> we had no fridge and stuff, and we had a goat. And, there you go. Oh, no, goat milk is disgusting if it's, like, hot and cereal. It was just embarrassing. It was like – or my mom – my mom would get like canned food and it didn't even have a label on it. I'm not even kidding. It just said like 50 cents or two, like surprise cans. Wow. Yeah. And we would fight over them. My sister and I would fight over like, I want the 50 cent one and oh I get gosh. like the 10 cent one and it would be like some disgusting surprise meat or something. Oh, no. Yeah. We had a can opener, <laughs> you know, meat. so we would just open it. Yeah. And it was gross. But then we wouldn't go hungry. So my childhood was kind of weird. You know, um, like I said, unconventional. It, it was very different. So you graduate from high school. Yes, I graduate from high school. And all through high school, I was very shy. And not my in my childhood, too, my mother was very abusive towards me, not towards um, anybody else in the family. Um, that's in my book, too. I get into that into great detail, which I won't go into right now. But she was very abusive and I, when I graduated high school, I kind of felt like I want to get out there into the real world where I could trust people. And because it seemed like people outside of my house were really nice to me and saw good things in me. And I felt like the the bad things were all just at my house, you know. And so when I graduated, I found out about this job working with handicapped special needs children and I thought that's perfect because I already have all this experience doing that with my brother and so I went through the training to become a certified nurse assistant and I took that job and I was a model employee were you working in Palm Springs at the time where where were you I was working in a town called Desert Hot Springs so like it was like 20 minutes north of Palm Springs Mm -hmm. 
And I had worked there a while. I love my job. I I used my imagination with the girls. You know, we, we all had fun. I worked the night shift. I was young. I, I was 19. I worked um, from 10 at night till 6 in the morning. Wow. And I was... I was a really good employee, followed all the rules. The girls loved me, and I thought my life was really looking up. I had people tell me, like, oh, I can't believe you're so young and you have an amazing job like that, and that would make me feel really good. We're talking to Jennifer Asbenson, and uh, when we come back, we'll get into the the rude awakening, I guess, uh, well, that happened that derailed your life that was looking so good. You'd escaped this abusive home. You were making money for yourself. You had a lot of friends. And then your life was just sidetracked by ultimate terror. Uh, the name of the book is called The Girl in the Treehouse, a memoir. We'll come back with Jennifer in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. Well, there was a serial killer who terrorized Southern California from the late 80s. He moved on to the Midwest, and his last attempted murder was April 1997. He was convicted in the murders of five women in Southern California. He was sentenced to death, but he uh, killed himself last November in San Quentin. We're talking with Jennifer As. Benson, the, the author of the book, The Girl in the Treehouse, a memoir. You can pick up, I assume, all over the place, right? I mean, it's on online. Well, it's on uh, Amazon. Okay. It's on Amazon right now, and it might be on Barnes & Noble online. I believe it is there, too. Part of what uh, Jennifer's book uh, details is the survival of uh, a run-in with Andrew Erdialis back in 1992. And in terms of, we talked about growing up, uh, you meant, I mean, you talked about kind of a quirky, different, out of the ordinary sort of childhood that you grew up in, yeah. and there was a desire for you to sort of get out of that that you know household that you were in, find out what the real world was was like, uh, that it was more appealing to you out there, and getting a job out to, out of high school after you became a certified nurse's assistant, etc. Um, tell us about uh, tell us about 1992, September of 1992. Well. I had just been given a paid vacation because that I, I had been working there for like two years. And I thought, okay, during this paid vacation, I'm going to move out of my parents' house and get an apartment. And they said, okay, that's fine if you want to do that, but you can't use our car anymore because this is our car. We need it at our house. And I was like, oh, I don't care. I'll get to work somehow. I just don't want to live there anymore. So I got my own place, and when it was time for me to go back to work after my my vacation was up, I thought, oh, goodness, I need to try to find a ride from somebody because I, I really was afraid of the bus. I had ridden it a couple times, and there was just some shady people on there, or they could have just been doing their own thing, but to me, I was I, it, it just kind of creeped me out. It kind of scared me. Um so I would try to avoid riding the bus, but I rode the bus because I had no ride the first night to, to get back to work, and I got there late. I just couldn't figure out the schedule, and then another night, it was just like each night that I went to go 
to get to work, I could either not fight, find a ride at all or I would miss the bus. I, I was just very irresponsible with that bus system or someone would say they could give me a ride and then they couldn't. And when I got to work, I had to relieve a lady that was there. So she was there with the girls and then when I came, she could go home. And there was one night where I didn't show up at all. So she had to stay after her eight hours and then spend the night and take care of the girls. So she told me if I was late again, she was going to, that I was going to get in trouble basically. And that was my life. You know, that gave me my self-worth, everything. So I thought I can't lose this job. And on September 27th, 1992, I, I went to the bus stop planning to ride the bus. Uh, I thought that I had a couple minutes, so I ran in the store to buy some snack snacks for the girls. And while I was paying, I saw a bus fly by. And I asked the cashier, was that the bus? That couldn't have been the bus, right? Because it didn't stop. And he was like, oh, honey, it doesn't stop if nobody wants to get off or if nobody's there. And I was like, what? I didn't know that. Yeah. So I ran out there. And sure enough, that was the bus. And I was in a panic. You could tell physically that I was in a panic. If you were watching me, like I was throwing my arms up. And as I was doing that, I just heard this gentle voice say, Oh, excuse me. Do you need a ride? And without thinking, I just said, no, I'm fine. And looked away and then panic set in. And I started thinking, oh my gosh. Panic about missing a shift. Yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, no, I do need a ride. I do. Like, what if this is meant to be? Like, I just missed the bus. Someone's offering me a ride. So I looked at him again and I thought, you know, he doesn't seem, he didn't look like a monster. He didn't look like a, a, a creep. Yeah. He he didn't look like someone I should run from. Um, and, of course, we're never taught that, that anyone's going to look scary. But I, that's maybe what my mind thought. And I looked at him, and he just said, okay, well, suit yourself. And then he looked left and right like he was going to pull out, and he was just going to leave. And my thought was, who would do that? If they were crazy, they wouldn't just leave. They would come and drag me into the car or something so I actually stopped him I said no wait wait um well which way are you headed because I didn't want to inconvenience him I mean so he said he was headed towards desert hot springs and I just thought oh my gosh that's exactly where I'm going so I said okay are you sure it's not an inconvenience he's like no I said okay okay so I went to get in and I thought it would be smart to look at the license plate And I looked at it, and I said it in my head a couple times while I was getting in the car. But then when I got in the car to have a conversation with him, I had to just forget about the license plate because he was asking me questions. And I'm like, okay, he's obviously a nice guy. Um, He, I I looked at him, of course. As women, I think that's what we do. We kind of look at them and think, oh, he's really big. He could really hurt me. Or, Or he's really little. And he was. He seemed petite. Yeah. He seemed petite and where I thought, you know, I, I had no idea what I was in for. But in my mind, I thought, oh, I could totally take him on uh, if he did anything. You know, and just listening to your story, you know, I say it all the time about Ted Bundy. 
that I would have gotten in that car because he doesn't look crazy. Oh, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you, you think as a woman that crazy is going to present itself that you way. Do. And it yeah. doesn't, you know. Um, we are talking with Jennifer as Benson. we got to take a quick break um, for news, uh, and then we'll hear the rest of your story and how you survived a serial killer and how you have been able to heal uh, to the point of writing a memoir all about uh, about your story and your life and everything else. Who would be calling on that line Unclear. now of all time? Unclear. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. Hey, one of the uh, stories we'll get to at 1230 when we uh, get into Swamp Watch, it turns out that uh, Michigan Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib says that by the end of this month, she believes that she will have um, a resolution for impeachment against the president by the end of this month. So, We've got a stretch of PCH shut down. It looks like Huntington Beach is the area between Warner Avenue and Seapoint Avenue because of flooding. Magic Mountain has closed down because of weather. So we'll keep an eye on the storm as well. We're talking with Jennifer Asbenson, the, the author of The Girl in the Treehouse, a memoir. Uh, we got up to 1992, September 27th, 1992. Jennifer uh, misses the bus. So she's headed out to Desert Hot Springs to work at a home for kids with disabilities. And a uh, guy offers her a ride. Now, obviously, at the time, we didn't know that it was Andrew Ordialis, who at that point, we believe, had killed three women. Um, you didn't know that. But there were you talked about sort of the mental um, process that you went through about deciding, is it safe for me to do this? You talk about the, the priority was obviously to get to work because you'd already missed a shift before and this was important. And yeah. you have, you've convinced yourself okay, this is safe enough. I feel like I can at least, I can get the ride, get to work, and we'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically it. I it, I thought, if if I don't take this ride, I'm going to lose my job. I yeah. also thought that. But, of course, I wasn't weighing that with, this is a serial killer, because I didn't know that, you know, or, of course, I wouldn't have gotten in the car. But he gave me a ride, and it was normal. He He seemed normal. He brought me to work, dropped me off. Uh, before he left, he asked for my work phone number. I just gave him a fake one, and I worked all night. Then he came back in the morning. Did you tell him and, to? Yeah, was that the arrangement? Or? No. When when I went in, he he made some comment like, see you in the morning, and, and I just wanted to blow him off. So yeah. I just kind of laughed and thought, oh, brother, I hope I don't have to deal with him. You're 19. You know? You're beautiful. Did you just think he was hitting on you? Or oh, did totally. You? Okay. Yeah, and I thought he might come back in the morning, but I thought, oh, please don't. Not because I was scared of him, but because I thought I don't want to deal with that. You know, I'd rather just ride the bus and yeah. just get away from him because, yeah, I wasn't interested in him. So I gave him a fake number, and when I got off work the next morning, I – was walking to the bus stop and a car pulled up and it was him and he said hey i'm here to bring you to breakfast and i was like oh my goodness no oh, i don't want to go but but i had trusted him because if he was any kind of weirdo we would think that he would try to murder you or try to murder me when it's dark in the middle under of the, night. the cover of yeah. the darkness yeah mm-hmm. and so if someone had an opportunity to do something to you and they don't do it like at the best time it is for them to do it then that's gonna 
you're going to it's going to gain your trust. It's interesting, though, that you were having these thoughts and doing this calculus in your mind because, you know, your gut was telling you probably. Yeah. But, you know, you were make you know, you were making it make sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. With 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 the skills that I had at the time. Yeah. In in my mind, I, I was trying to make it make sense to me. And how I had grown up is if if people are going to be mean, you're going to see it right away. You know, if they're if they're going to be mean, uh, if they're angry with you, you're going to see it. I, I didn't know about this hidden kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. So we start driving and we're having a normal conversation. And then he just snaps and starts talking about the phone number and saying that some crazy B word. I know I can't curse. Um, answered the phone and. I, you know, just tried to defend myself and say, no, it, I gave you the right number, check the number again. And then it, it was just really weird because I could feel evil enter the car and his eyes changed, his whole demeanor changed. He just changed. And I thought, oh, wow, I am in trouble. I am in, this is no joke. I am in a lot of trouble. And before I could even think anything, he pulled over the car. He, I saw a gun, a knife. He tied up my hands. He pushed my head into the dash. And I just kept saying, is this a joke? Because my mind couldn't process it. Right. I thought, it has to be a joke. Things like this can't be real. Like, I, I just started thinking when he was driving that, oh, goodness, if this is true, if this guy's going to hurt me or anything, this world is a mess. Because how I grew up and and now someone is treating me this horribly. And I just kept thinking in my mind, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And he gets me to the desert and he attempts to rape me. He tortures me. He pulls me out of the car. At one point, I I see a bag of knives that he gets out of the trunk. And so I take off running. Now, when I ran, I wasn't running to get away because cars looked like ants. They were that far away. I was so far from civilization because we were out in the middle of no man's land. We were out in the middle of, of in the middle of the field. And I was, to be honest with you, I was running hoping that he would shoot me because I didn't want to be cut up by knives. Yeah. That terrified me. So I ran with my hands tied behind my back wearing not that much clothes, um, squinting my eyes, hoping he would shoot me because I knew at this point he was going to eventually kill me and he was just toying with me. And I didn't like to have hope because when I had hope, I, um, I had feeling in my body. I could feel pain. But when I would give up, it was like I was in shock and I was prepared to die. It was just very bizarre. So he chased me and grabbed me and pulled me back to the car by my hair and put me in the trunk and took off. And when I was in the trunk, I just started praying and I was able to get my binds off. I, I, for a minute there, I thought, now what are the options? I can't get out of the trunk. He's going to open it and we're going to fight. And I didn't like that idea. So it's either fight with him or try to kill myself. So I tried to strangle myself with a twine. That didn't work um, because he had earlier, as he was torturing me, he had strangled me to, to unconsciousness. 
um, that he had done a lot of horrible things to me. And as I was in the trunk, um, you'll see in my book, my imagination comes into play a lot, especially when I'm in really bad situations. Like, And when I was a child, I was locked in our outhouse. And I was able to figure out how to get out of that in the middle of the night by sliding a magazine through the through the little slit in the door and getting lifting that little lever up. And so when I was in this trunk, it's like everything just lit up. Like and I could see how trunk how how trunks were made and how I I saw like a hand turning a key to show me that the lever was on the inside with me. And so I just told myself, oh, you could get out of here. You could get out. And then I had 100% confidence, and I just shredded with my fingernails the back of that trunk because there was, like, some carpeting on there, which is in every trunk. And mind you, there's no trunk release back then. This was in 1992. Uh, I had to find that little release where you put the key in on the other side. I had to find that. And I found that, and my hand was in this little tight place. And oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was crazy. And then... And then I thought, now, if I jump out, because now I had hope. I was like, I'm getting away. I am getting away, and now I need to figure out how. If I jump out, I know he's going to come back for me because he's pretty aggressive. By, by now, you should know that. He's come back already, and he was not invited. But So I know he's going to come back after me. Um, so I decided to just throw the trunk up once I got it open, and that made him pull over. And then when he pulled over, he got stuck in the soft sand. And when he got stuck in the soft sand, I timed it out, threw the trunk up, and I just took off running. And uh, someone didn't help me at first. They just, they were scared because they saw him chasing me with a machete. But then he finally turned around and got in his car, and I just ran in front of a truck, and they saved me, and they brought me to a local gas station and the police came and I was taken to the hospital. And the worst part of it all was thinking how amazing it was going to be when I got away and how everybody was going to come running to me with open arms. And I was going to be just like, I was going to feel special and like a hero or, or like, I, I don't know, but it was completely different than what I thought it was going to be. Police didn't believe you. No, no, nobody believed me. They thought that I um, was exaggerating. They could see that I had a bite on my neck. They knew something. Everybody knew something happened to me, but they were not listening to what I was saying. All right, we will uh, continue with Jennifer and her story of escaping a serial killer, the the only girl to escape uh, when we return. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. That's us. Mm-hmm. Jennifer S. Benson is our guest, the author of The Girl in the Treehouse. We talked about uh, how she had been picked up and then attacked by Andrew Ordialis, who eventually was convicted uh, of murdering five women in Southern California, died in San Quentin at his own hand last year. Uh, but Jennifer's out with her book to talk about how it is that how it is you come back from that. You, you, we just last segment talked about how you were able to survive. You were able to 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 get away. Uh, police at one 
point, at least at the beginning, didn't believe you. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's an amazing thing. 27 years later, here you are. Uh, I would imagine it's something you probably deal with every day. I Is do. It? Is yeah. It? I struggle with PTSD, anxiety. Uh, sometimes I go through spurts where I don't like to leave the house because... It's on my mind, you know, sometimes, and and it's not my mind playing tricks on me, sad to say, because there are some weirdos out there, but sometimes I'll tell myself that, and then other times I just tell myself who I am, like, I am strong, I'm a survivor, I'm, I kind of tell myself that we as survivors, and I want to teach people too, that it's kind of like we have a superpower, like we've been through some stuff, and we survived it. And it doesn't have to define us. It should give us strength. It should give us knowledge. And we could use it to our advantage. And we could help others with it. And so when I pump myself up like this. And like I got a tattoo on my arm. I use my body like for sticky notes. Like the tattoos. <laughs> the tattoo is like a sticky note. I can't get too carried away. it's not a grocery away. list, it's Right. Fine. It's not a grocery list. But it says warrior. So I put it right on my arm and I don't even have to look at it because I know it's there and now it's a part of me and I know that I'm a warrior and I know that I'm a rock star and that that guy didn't scare me. He never scared me. The only thing that scared me was that with the weapons. I mean, a toddler with weapons would scare me. It's not, I mean, he was evil. He was. And the evilness was very hard to deal with. Um you being the only one that got away, do you feel a greater sense of purpose that that, that, that there was a reason that you were able to escape uh, under the unlikeliest of circumstances to go on and help people? And Oh, yes. You know. I, I feel like there is some reason that that I am here. That's why I feel like I do need to speak out and I, I, I need to s- spread a message, you know, and I really want to make it glamorous to be a survivor. I, I want survivors to feel special and and not live in victimhood. You were a victim while this horrible thing was happening to you. That's when you were a victim. I was a victim when this horrible thing happened to me, but the minute I got out of there, I was a survivor. And people need to know that because if if you... If you live like that, you're not living. It's like you're in jail. It's like you were victimized and now you're sentenced to jail or prison for the rest of your life. So you need to get all the strength within you and tell yourself that, you know, this is not your shame. That is not your shame. You shouldn't be a victim and walk around like a victim does with their head down. And you need to stand tall and proud because look at you. You're still here and and you're amazing and I think it's just a lot of self-talk. That's what what has helped me. And really, writing this book, I actually moved into the treehouse in the backyard. And I lived in there for a year because I needed to feel secure. It was like a cocoon. And I, it was hard. I, I knew if I was going to write it, I needed to become really vulnerable. And I basically, no joke, became kind of like an alcoholic. I thought, oh, this is why writers drink a lot probably to, to go there like I was drinking like a bottle of wine and then I'm like I need another bottle of wine and I, I even smoke some pot it's legal so I'll say that <laughs> and I just wanted to really go there and I do in this book it is very raw it is very real it is 
an unconventional type of memoir. You know, I use my imagination. I, I have always used my imagination to get through things, and I still to do today, especially if my imagination with PTSD is trying to destroy me. Of course, I'm going to use the bright side of imagination as well. And in this book, while writing this book, I pretty much uh, forgave everybody that ever hurt me and victimized me because every time I Googled it, how to get rid of all this anger and hatred against these people that have been so bad to me, it kept saying, forgive, forgive, forgive. And I was like, I don't want to forgive because it just sounded like I was saying, okay, it's okay you did this or something. And, but I thought it's worth a shot. So I did it and it really did just feel like it set me free. Like it gave me wings. You uh, gave us the book right before you came on with us. And I just spent a couple minutes reading it and I didn't want to put it down. (laughs) <laughs> Good. You know what? And yeah. so many people say that. And, yeah. and that is making me feel so happy. People are saying that they have never read a book, but they read it. And then the way I wrote it, I tried to put like, and then you wouldn't believe what happened next kind of dinner. And so you can't, you have to read you the next chapter book with clickbait in it. I did. Right. I uh, did. The, the book is called the girl in the Treehouse: a memoir. Jennifer Asbenson is the author. Uh, by the way, is it tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon? You're going to be on Dr. Phil. Yeah. Okay. On, tomorrow I'm on Dr. Phil. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. It's a yeah. fantastic story. You're the cutest it's- child. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jennifer, you. thank you so much for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll talk trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. You know what I'm doing tonight? I, and I swear I'm doing this tonight. Disney movies? I, yes, I am going home, <laughs> and I'm going to watch Ralph Rex the Internet. Me too. I'm going to watch. I'm going to go to that, that um, Netflix where it says kids. I'm going to hit that button <laughs> and, and whatever say, it offers. Surprise me. Yes. Let's go, Netflix. Cleanse my palate for crying out loud. The world is a terrible place, isn't it? All right, let's get to this uh, list here. Time for What's Happening. Rain. Rain to cleanse this earth. Flash flood watches in place this morning for parts of L.A. and Ventura counties. The the commute today was just, oh, man. I wanted to just slam into a wall. It was insane. It's not good. It was like an hour and 45 minutes. I am uh, one of those people who I won't drive to the store without turning on the Waze app just to see if there's a quicker way from my house to to Vaughn's. Uh, Every morning, turn it on, get in the car, and it tells me, oh, hey, just so you know, your commute's going to be 47 minutes or, you know, 38 minutes, whatever it is. Today, Today, your your commute's going to be a week and a half. It laughed at me. Yeah. It laughed at me when I – it said, we'll see in May. (laughs) Jerk. Um, There's a bunch of stuff that's been going on. If – Santa Clarita Valley is one of those areas that rarely gets news when it comes to stories like when it comes to the storms. I mean, yes, the Santa Clara River runs through it, but very rarely does it flood. There's a there's a neighborhood, uh, a couple of homes where the entire hillside is sliding away along Terry Drive. So they are talking about how this and it doesn't get any better. It started a couple of weeks ago. The rains that have come overnight uh, that will come over the through the weekend. I mean. 
this place is going to be a mess if we continue to see this amount of rain. R. Kelly is in the news because he did a huge interview with Gail King, a nearly 80-minute interview. He was emotional. He was angry. He was jumping up and down. He's pounding. He says he didn't do it. I have been assassinated was one of his quotes. He's been charged with 10 counts of aggravated criminal sexual abuse in Chicago. Three of the four alleged victims were underage, and he just lost his mind. I have never been accused of something like this, but I'm not sure that that would have been my reaction, uh, the way that he did it. And he's a 52-year-old man. Y'all killing me with this I can't help 30 years! I'm a f***ing Robert. 30 years! Robert. Y'all trying to kill me! You're killing me, man! Robert! Um, Gail King did that interview. Robin Roberts did the interview with Chelsea Smollett, if anyone's keeping score at home. Robert Kraft and that prostitution ring that was able to cause national embarrassment for him is back in the news because there was a man in Florida who was mistakenly arrested in that prostitution sting. <laughs> he says it was humiliating it upended his life. He felt like his his life had ended. Well, let me just let. Imagine getting I, wrapped up in that. Hoff. I was just gonna say, what if one day I came in and I go, "Hey, funny thing happened to me yesterday. I'm sitting at home. The sheriff's deputies knock on my door and they go, hey, you uh, were caught at the uh, Happy Orchid Day Spa, or whatever the hell that thing was. How long?'" He owns Where do you two, think I would sleep that night? Yeah, he owns two businesses. He has two daughters, and apparently it was just the name. It was the same name. Uh, you, What do you think? Yeah, okay. your, your wife, would your wife divorce you like that, or do you think that there's a pathway back for you? Oh, well, am if I in were, this guy's position? Like, it's not me? No, 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 no. Oh, it is me. Well... In between the time they find out that in between the time that you're arrested and then you're exonerated in their two weeks or whatever, where your wife thinks that you went to a massage parlor and got a happy ending. Is that like a uh, is that a you're done offense or he's my hero? Yeah. Or do you think that she would find forgiveness for you if you had some sort of story? What story? What is the story? I don't know. Please tell me. Like, uh, I was feeling I don't know. I don't. No, I think that would have been a deal breaker. Really? But 21 years of marriage? Oh, sure. Yeah. But if I'm in this guy's position, you got to point out the guy's name, too. Because, I mean, it's for me, I could understand there's probably, I don't know, a dozen people with my name around Southern California. There's. This guy's name is Sandeep Kumar Patel. But Patel is very Patel common. Patel is a very common yeah. name. I don't know if Sandeep Kumar as a first name, one word, is an actual common thing. Anyway, I would imagine that I had enough evidence on my behalf that I would be able to prove my case in a court of Shannon. You could just say to her, um, I'm, it was just one time. I don't know what came over me. You suck as a lawyer. I know. Wow. I know. You're giving Don't hire advice. me when you get caught at the day spa. <laughs> the GoFundMe scandal. Remember this? The homeless veteran who uh, got looped up with that couple and they posted a picture of him giving his last $20 to the woman so she could get gas and get home and it was all a hoax. I still, I still want to believe it. I know you do. You want to believe in the good in people. Yep. 
Well, he has pleaded guilty. The homeless guy has pleaded guilty in federal court to conspiring with Kate and her boyfriend, Mark, in that scam that raised more than $400,000. Yeah, because they didn't give him any of it. Um, he, They got a new car. They took trips. They bought high-end handbags. They hit the casinos. And then finally, a millionaire out of Thailand, Arman Rodthong. I've never been to Thailand, so I'm not keen on the pronunciations like it's you are. Rodthong. Ah. He has just about everything in life. Money, health, successful business, loving family. You know what he does not have? A son-in-law. Do you know what money can buy? A son-in-law. Yeah. Uh, he is... Putting up to 10 million baht to give the man who marries his daughter, Karnsita. She's 26 years old. She's single. She works in the family business of farming durians, a stinky fruit. She speaks English and Chinese. She says she was surprised by her dad's public offer, but is pretty excited about it. Really? Doesn't Thailand have a bachelor program like we do? I'm going to look her up. Let's see a picture of her. Just to see, you know, physical beauty is not something that you should. She's gorgeous. Sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. Look. Well, I'm not going to look. Why? I'm not asking you to go to the day spa. I'm asking you to look at the picture of the girl. (laughs) When we come back, we'll do terror in the skies. Nothing wrong with looking at a picture of a girl. Home, where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. She's wearing clothes. Okay. There you go. Gary and Shannon. What's that look on your face? I'm, I'm de- declaring to whoever will hear me tonight. I am sitting in front of my TV and I'm going to watch Ralph Rex the Internet. Okay. I'm tired of. I don't. Tired is not the right word. You're drained I've, emotionally. I'm drained from all of from those stories. All that. Abducted in plain Neverland stories <laughs> and the treehouse. I'm. It's time. Yeah. To, Do you want um, me to go get? Steve Gregory stuck Snuggy? No. Okay. No. Do you want me to see if I can locate a weighted blanket? No, just find Steve Gregory. I will say okay. that Ralph Breaks the Internet kind of has a sad ending. Um, actually, it's Ralph Wrecks the Internet. Whatever. Come on, Monica. Wait, it has a sad ending? Yeah. I may or may not have gone <laughs> to the theater by myself to go see it because nobody wanted to go with me. Well, all see. of those Disney movies have a little bit of sadness. You know, Bambi's mom. What about Bambi's mom? Don't ruin it. I did for see Captain Marvel last night. I, I saw. I got a preview of Captain Marvel. Uh, I've got a bunch of terror in the sky stories. Flight two zero nine. You are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger. Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. 
I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday place. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Well, a Delta Airlines flight left LAX last night, headed to Seattle, and then the lightning storm hit. Do you know when you're on a plane if it gets struck by lightning? You might see it. Um, Planes these days are all made to withstand lightning strikes. But they want to make sure that everything's okay. So out of an abundance of caution, they return to LAX. About 10.30 last night, the airport also had a power outage, I guess. Pretty short, but it did affect a couple of the terminals. That's the word. You know what? You might need Ralph Breaks the Internet now. Starting to sound like Frankie Jonas in here. He's breaking down, folks. Yeah. Analysis. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) The South African Airways pilot has resigned, and now he's facing criminal charges. Why? Well, he lied about having a pilot's license or the correct type of pilot's license. Is that like when you get pulled over and you're driving a really big truck and you only have You have a class C and you don't have a class A? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Who checks the license? Do you have a... I'm going to have to ask. The pilot claimed to have an airline transport pilot license, which all South African Airways pilots are required to obtain within five years of getting hired. Yeah, but... And carry it with you? He had a a commercial pilot license, which allows pilots to operate commercial flights, but not long international flights. Interesting. They discovered the license situation, since you asked, after investigating a reported issue with turbulence on a flight over the Swiss Alps. Well, it's the Swiss Alps. You're going to have turbulence. (laughs) There you go. There's your report. (laughs) The airline's policy is to assess and reevaluate crew members involved in a reported incident, so they checked into this guy's credentials, and oops, he doesn't have the commercial, the long international flight license. There was a uh, Virgin Galactic, uh, sorry, Virgin Atlantic flight grounded at Gatwick Airport today. It had returned from Barbados about 5 in the morning when the plane was surrounded by police and medical crews because of some sort of a mystery illness on board. 448 passengers and crew were put into quarantine. What kind of a plane carries 450 people? That's got to be one of those giant A380s, right? Yeah. 448 passengers and crew put into quarantine. 30 were assessed and treated by medical staff. Two were taken to the hospital. There was lots of coughing, and someone soiled themselves on the plane. (laughs) That's not funny. That's a bad day. That's like one of your worst days right there. If you soil yourself on an airplane, have a little compassion. You're honking chocolate on that thing, and it's (laughs) got to be like an eight-hour flight, right? I mean, that, and you're just Wipe sitting there. The smile off of your face. Can you imagine I, sitting next to that you person? Know what? You're flying tomorrow. Yes. And, and if you soil yourself, I'm going to laugh at you believe instead of me, having compassion. If I soil myself, I am calling. You're calling? I am calling. What would that phone call sound like? Hey, guys, you'll never guess what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you're everybody hitting their uh, their call button. Ding! I think this guy's honking chocolate in 14A. Oh, God. Here's a story from Monica's land, and it's crazy, like Monica. Oh. What? (laughs) A guy in Florida 
was apparently trying to board an Orlando-bound flight <laughs> in Pennsylvania when his uh, checked bag set off an alarm. He was trying to travel with a rocket-propelled grenade launcher. This he- makes sense to me. <laughs> See? Been, even to just, be- going, just going back to visit Florida, it's like you, you, you regain the accent and nothing phases you anymore in these stories. I've got one more tear in the uh, sky story. Ooh, loaded today. This was a flight from Vancouver to Toronto, and the man had taken his seat in business class for this flight when he became disruptive. It was all over the meal, you see. He was demanding to be served fish. Because of Lent? Who demands to eat fish on an airplane? Terrorists. I mean, if they screw up meatballs, why would you say, please, let's try the fish? I, I, don't, I don't know. Gross. Maybe he wanted to, to soil himself at Ugh. one point on the flight. Are you going to do soil himself jokes all You're day? You're the one who said someone soiled themselves. You're the one who opened the door. Actually, How can I not go through that door? You know what? We can laugh a little bit about soiling ourselves. Please. We need that. Uh, Swamp Watch, when we come back, there is a major story coming out of Washington, D.C. that happened uh, earlier today. Martha McSally, a new senator from Arizona, announced something today on Capitol Hill that I don't think we knew about Martha McSally. We'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Shannon, it's Wednesday, it's March 6th, it is uh, the beginning of the Fred Hall Show, Long Beach Convention Center, today through March 10th. Don't miss out on one of America's largest fishing and boat shows in the western United States. I totally keep wanting a boat every time I see their advertisement. The ultimate experience, hunting, camping, fishing, diving, off-road vehicles, water sports. Why don't you get, you get a boat? All the information at fredhall.com. I, I do not want a boat. I've, no, I know people with boats, and the the happiest day was the day they bought the boat. And, and the, the day second they day, sold it. Second. You've heard that one before? Caller number six right now will win a four-pack of tickets to the Fred Hall Show. I was going to surprise you with that. 1-800-520-1-KFI. 1-800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's call. We go together. What's the update on the Jonas? Better than birds of a feather. Are they out of the, they're out of the building, they right? They are out of the building. And have we yes, ever gotten a location? Left, we got but a... they're having a secret show in L.A. tomorrow. Where is it? I don't know. It's secret. That's the point. Well, we do have inside information around here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is Frankie going to show up at this one? You need to stop your campaign to get Frankie Jonas in the group. Listen carefully. You can hear Frankie in the new single. We go together. Better than birds of a feather, you and me. Needs more cowbell, Frankie. Yeah. He's not not the strongest Jonas. (laughs) He's strong in his own right. He does, uh, let's see, what does Frankie do? What he's does an actor. Crossfit? Does he do CrossFit? Does he pro- they probably all he's do an CrossFit. an actor. They he, pay people to do CrossFit. He is a recurring character in the television series Jonas. Oh. He was a voice actor in the film Ponyo. Who? Uh, who? Ponyo? Clicking. Ponyo is a Japanese film. Oh, great. Oh, Wait, okay. does he speak Japanese? Probably. He's Frankie. 
He has to make up for his lack of musical talent. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. It's true, though. He must really feel left out. I mean, there's four brothers, and and the others are very successful. They have Isabella's admiration. I tried to tell you this earlier. I've been on the Frankie Jonas, the Frankie Jonas kick yeah. all day. I know. Apparently, <laughs> on the e-reality show Married to Jonas, uh, he just followed around Kevin and his wife, Danielle. Weird. All he's looking for is some crumbs from those guys, and they're just... They just pretend he's not even there. We've told you before about Martha McSally. Martha McSally uh, rose to the rank of colonel in the U.S. Air Force before she retired. First American woman to fly in combat after the ban on women was lifted. She used to fly those A-10s, which should scare the living bejesus out of everyone because they're low and slow and they'll kill you. She talked today about how she was raped when she served in the military. Yeah, this was at a hearing uh, there, during the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee hearing on sexual assault in the military. And there were people there who... Uh, reported sexual assault in the military, different conditions, different ranks, I mean, everything. And then they turned the table over to Senator Martha McSally, who said this. I am so inspired by the many survivors who found the strength to share their stories, report their assaults, and demand accountability, justice, and change. It's because of you that a light has been shined on this silent epidemic. And so many improvements have been made, including more than 100 legislative actions over the last decade on all aspects of military sexual assault. So, like you, I am also a military sexual assault survivor. But unlike so many brave survivors, I didn't report being sexually assaulted. Like so many women and men, I didn't trust the system at the time. I blamed myself. I was ashamed and confused. I thought I was strong, but felt powerless. The perpetrators abused their position of power in profound ways. And in one case, I was preyed upon and then raped by a superior officer. I stayed silent for many years, but later in my career, As the military grappled with scandals and their wholly inadequate responses, I felt the need to let some people know I, too, was a survivor. I was horrified at how my attempt to share generally my experiences were handled. I almost separated from the Air Force at 18 years over my despair. Now, again, she retired eventually as uh, as a colonel in the Air Force, Senator Martha McSally from Arizona. But to to do that in a public forum the way she did like that, I mean, to go back to what we were talking about in the first uh, first hour today about Finding Neverland coming forward with a story of sexual assault like that, sexual abuse, and to do it in a public forum like that has got to be incredibly difficult. Oh, you can hear it in her voice. And she, yeah. I mean, it's shaking, and it, I don't know how she didn't cry. Because that, that shaky voice. She's an voice, pilot. I know, but, uh, oh, man, that's hard to listen to. Uh, so anyway, that was, uh, that was a huge deal today. I wanted to, we wanted to play that just in terms of setting it apart from all of the BS politics stuff that goes on in, uh, in Washington, D.C. every day. A fascinating story in the Washington Post about major brands avoiding the president. Remember the scene when 
he had the football team in the in the White House there, and usually it would be like a extravagant sit down dinner that would be catered by the White House staff, but the government was shut down, so he brought in McDonald's, Chick Fil A, and Wendy's. Yeah. Any other president, any other time, you would seize on that ad opportunity if you were Chick Fil A, uh, Wendy's, or McDonald's, right? You would run with that. You'd say, this is what's served at the White House. And, you know, there's a million different ideas of what you could do with those images. They haven't touched it. No. They've been very quiet about it. We'll talk more about that when we come back. Also, that story that we tar- we started to uh, get into yesterday about how the high school transcript was hidden. You remember back when President uh, Obama and his education were called into question by people like Donald Trump asking for transcripts? The allegation in the Washington Post is pretty humorous, that there would be people that would be willing to do what this article suggests they did. All right, we'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Can you see? Gary and Shannon, in the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to talk more about the rain today. Why is that funny? I don't know. You've got uh, to hold it together. Well, I've been... we Hi... How... How are we going to... We've been saying that there's been so many horrific stories in the news in the last couple of weeks... And then in the 1 o'clock hour, two sisters killed their father, and they got caught after sleeping with the same man. It's like true crime light after what we've been through. <sighs> this whole month has been a Dateline episode. Yeah, that's a good... Yes, now all we need is... Uh, Keith Morrison. Keith Morrison to come in here and read, read uh, like, bedtime I, I stories I would love Keith Morrison to come in here and read us some fairy tales. That'd be a great job. Nick? Hey, oh, how about this? Will you tweet Keith Morrison? We, a little bit later in the show, are also going to give away uh, uh, some tickets to, a couple of tickets, as a matter of fact, to the iHeartRadio Music Awards, which are coming up next month. Next month? No, later this month. Just next weekend, as a matter of fact. So we'll tell you how you can win those tickets to the iHeartRadio Music Fest Music Awards coming up in just a couple of weeks. So we're talking a little bit before the break about brands shying away from the Trump White House. The president is big fans and he vocalizes a big fan of several American products and he vocalizes it all the time. You know, his favorites, uh, Sharpies, Big Macs, Diet Cokes. He has praised all of these things publicly. He's highlighted their products in the White House. And the Post talked to a guy who teaches marketing at Northwestern and his name is Tim Calkins, and he said it used to be that brands would love to get an endorsement from the president. Now, if anything, it makes these companies squirm a little bit. Yeah, representatives at McDonald's, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, Sharpie Pens, they're all, they're all pretending like they're a little busy right now, and they can't talk about the president using their products. Uh, Newell produces the Sharpie Pens that the president praises while signing his executive orders. Um, 
in the past, these these brands have been eager to highlight their proximity. Endorsements specifically, of course, are not going to happen. You're not going to get a president paid for using your product. When President Obama visited restaurants in Washington and abroad, they regularly highlighted the visits on social media. Some still have menu items named after him. One of the marketing guys the Post spoke with said it was almost like winning a Michelin star. Listen, as as goofy as this is, this turned into a huge deal. David Ortiz goes to the White House, takes a selfie with President Obama in 2014 on a Samsung. Samsung had an endorsement deal with Ortiz, so they tweet out a photo of the picture and note, of course, it was captured on a Galaxy Note 3. Ding! Even businesses that once sought out the Trump brand have tried to distance themselves. Because here's the thing, it's not anything personal, it's just it's business. I mean, he's opposed by more than half the country in some opinion polls. Since the campaign in 2016, six New York residential buildings have moved to strip the Trump Place logos from their facades. Several retailers have stopped selling Trump-branded apparel. Nike moved out of a Trump-owned New York location. And they've, they've done their, of course, their Colin Kaepernick ad was definitely a, uh, a shot across the bow, perhaps, at, uh, at the president as well. Right. Uh, we mentioned this uh, a bit yesterday, but I thought it was interesting to get into some of the details. The Washington Post has published about how it is that uh, people went into the private school at the New York Military Academy and tried to uh, tr- tried to get the headmaster to hide Donald Trump's school transcripts. Superintendent of the private school apparently came to the headmaster in a panic because he'd been accosted by some prominent wealthy alumni of the school who were friends of Donald Trump at the time and wanted to keep those records secret. The superintendent at the time did confirm to the Washington Post that there were members of the Board of Trustees that wanted him to hand over Trump's records, but he refused. And he said, I was given directives, some of which I could follow, some of which I couldn't follow. So, like, these prominent wealthy alumni of the school acted as, like, Trump's mob enforcers? Yes. That's exactly what it was. So the superintendent says, I was able to move the records elsewhere on campus where they wouldn't be released. But as far as he knows, it's the first time that has ever been happened. Last year. Uh, ever been happened? Trump. Ever been done. Last year, Trump said that, you know, he heard he was first in his class at the Wharton business program. Hmm. Where he f- finished his undergraduate degree. But Trump's name does not appear on the school's dean's list or the list of students who received academic honors in his class of 1968. He was a, did you know that Donald Trump was a baseball player? He was the best baseball player. Well, I mean, he would say he was the best baseball player. Yes. They did say he was prominent. And he was pretty well known for bringing the ladies around. Hello, ladies. Uh, He did have a, of course, the military academy background that he relies on to provide more military training than a lot of guys that go into the military. He spent five years at the military academy starting in the fall of 1959. His father decided, when Trump was in the seventh grade at the time, uh, that he needed more discipline. And so removed him from the private school in Queens and sent him upstate to the military academy. Again, the superintendent who went to the headmaster, the superintendent declined to say where he hid the president's records or 
He, he didn't want to identify the people who were ordering to pull them out of the school's files. He says, I don't want to get into anything with these guys. You have to understand, these were millionaires and multimillionaires on the board, and the school was going through some troubles. This is funny. They say that the school was in debt... And they were openly discussing selling the the campus, shutting down, when a group of graduates and others trying to save the school went to Trump's Manhattan office. This was in 2010. They were looking for $7 million. They wanted that donation, and they hoped to, use to, raise, they hoped to raise an additional $30 million from other sources. They said the meeting did not go well with Trump. First of all, one of Trump's fellow classmates spilled a glass of Diet Coke on Trump's cream-colored carpet. Uh, uh, that's a waste of good Diet Coke. They say when Trump saw that, he blurted an expletive. <laughs> then, when they made their pitch to get the $7 million, Trump says, what do I get for my $7 million? You should name the school after him. He said it wasn't a good business proposition. Well, they, they did offer to name a summer program after him at one point as well because of that $7 million. Hey, a quick poll to tell you about, and I know that we're not going to we're not gonna rely on the polls, but I wanted to play the song. She's in love with that poll. It's been a while. No. She's in love with that poll. Uh, poll out of Florida. According to Politico, it suggests the president may be in trouble in Florida in terms of reelection. I don't think it pans out to that yet. We're still... Well, a year and a half away. But 40% of Florida voters said they believe the president should be reelected. 53% said they're opposed to a second term. Um, it looks like if you were to ask specifically among the Democrats who they would they would uh, reelect, Joe Biden is the front runner in Florida, even though he has not, again, officially declared that he will run for president. So. Coming up next, the rain. How long will it stick around, and then when will it return? This has been such a cold, damp winter, hasn't it? Yes. In more ways than one. Like my heart. Yeah. A lot of darkness. (laughs) And I'm calling. Such a day. It's been so many, um, so many moods and emotions, and now you're playing emotional terrorism to my eyes. ESPN did a uh, one of their just absolutely 30 30. iconic thirty for thirty oh shows gosh. on a JV football coach up in uh, the South Bay, South Bay area. Yeah. Who doesn't have arms and doesn't have legs and is obsessed with football. Never able to play football. Learned learned football. Learned how to diagram plays by playing Madden. With Wait, his I chin. With his chin. Legs. Yeah. Contr- using the control. That's. And the thing is. You're only about six minutes into that, and it's 15 and minutes long. the tears are already starting. I don't know why you're doing that to me. It's already been a day. Who says I can't? Oh. That's that's what he yells that's, at the kids. That's, that's his, like the motivational thing he I says can't. to the kid. Nobody. Who says I can't? And Rob Mendez is his name. Rob is a 49ers fan, too. 
Why are you doing this? Just saying. I think Ralph breaks the internet is uh, sorry. Ralph wrecks the internet is oh, available see? on. See, it is hard. not the only. Yeah, hard to keep. It. Yeah, isn't not the that, only one that got it wrong. Isn't that one of the jokes in the movie? Is he says, shouldn't it be Ralph breaks the internet? <laughs> anyway, uh, we have a couple things we're going to be doing. Uh, we have Fred Hall tickets, uh, Fred Hall show tickets that we're going to be giving away a little bit later. Also, we have a pair of tickets to give away for the iHeart Radio Music Awards coming up on Thursday, March fourteenth. We'll tell you how you can win those as well before the hour is out. Quite the lightning storm yesterday. Very cool. Nearly 1,500 pulses of lightning recorded off the coast in five minutes. This happened shortly after 8 p.m. when the National Weather Service says there was 1,489 pulses of lightning. 231 over Santa Barbara County, 40 in L.A. County. I think I saw 39 of those 40 last night. We were, uh, My daughter and I were in the car, and it was... You know, it starts out cute where you go, hey, was that lightning? That's unusual. We're in Southern California. You don't get to see that all the time. And then it's a storm. And then you realize, wait a minute, we are driving directly into where the lightning is coming from. And it reminded me of Poltergeist where the kid's laying in bed and he hears the thunder and they tell him, you know, when you see the lightning, if you count... The seconds before you hear the thunder, you can tell how far away the storm is, mm-hmm. and it just gets closer and closer. That's <laughs> what I felt like is that little kid laying in bed, just driving directly into the storm. Was your daughter freaked out at all by it? Uh-uh. No, because she's got nerves of steel. But then again, if I was not with my daughter in the car, there's a different level. I get a little more anxiety when I'm when I have cargo in the car like that. Oh, of course. Not that she's cargo. I meant precious like precious cargo. cargo is a better yeah, no. <laughs> cargo. No, I knew what you meant. I feel different when I got like uh, 80 pounds of beef next to me. <laughs> Any update on that Snuggie for Gary? It's beyond, it's, I'm beyond Snuggie. So the storm moves out tonight, right? Or today? And then it should it, fizzle this afternoon. This afternoon. And then it comes back Friday? Tomorrow or, and Friday. Tomorrow and Friday. Mm-hmm. Well, that's unacceptable, Monica. I mean, what can I say? Well, you could say that you're not going to tell us that there's going to be rain in the next couple of you days. You could provide us with some sunshine in your forecast. I don't make promises I can't keep, Gary. Oh, boy. Well, we're just going to have to get somebody in here who does. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Amy should be in on Friday. <laughs> it looks like. And that's going to be the sunny day, isn't it? Yes, Probably. It <laughs> uh, anyway, that. That's going to be a – hopefully it dries out this weekend and starts to warm up. It's been great that we've had all this rain. I mean, in terms of it's fantastic for the hills. It looks cool to see green hills for more than Isn't a week. Isn't the snowpack full, though? Aren't we full? Aren't we done now? <laughs> we had enough. It's over. So I'm driving to work today in the worst commute from hell. I mean, it didn't get faster than bumper to bumper the entire way. And it's drizzling. And the guy behind me has his wind – shield wipers on mm-hmm. all the way up full blast windshield wipers it's drizzling and he's on the highest speed and because it's bumper to bumper it's like i'm seeing this in my rear view mirror like it's what? bothering me why are you annoyed by that i was guy's so wipers? annoyed by that guy's wipers because he was being way too aggressive with wipers so in my passive aggressive mind i decide to Teach turn, him a lesson. turn mine to the lowest possible the 
the like uh, you know intermittent, intermittent, oh, but the, the the lowest speed intermittent. So there's times when I can't even see up my windshield because it's going so slow. You know, it's taking so long. But I was trying to like make good for the jackass behind me that was way too aggressive with his windshield wipers, and I wanted to get a good look at him. Like, who is that guy that uses that speed of wiper? For drizzle. Was he in a pickup truck? No, he was in okay. a sedan. It seemed to be a Nissan. Out of here like 40 minutes before her. I know. That's why it was weird. Why? I thought that was where the story was going. And it was Blake. Where, I never got a good look at him. Where in the cosmos do you believe someone is counting windshield wiper strokes? You have to I just, even out I that just, guy's. I don't know. I just don't want people to be that aggressive. It's like it's not that bad. What are you going to do when it really starts raining? <laughs> what are you going to do? You gotta give yourself room to breathe. I totally make judgments on people that are too aggressive with their windshield wiper speeds. Uh, well, someone, you know, it's like grow, grow a pair, sir. How you make that judgment just simply based on the speed of the guy's windshield wipers? You're an amazing person. Thank you. All right, when we come back. Uh, the latest good story, good in terms of meaty, about. Stupid California lawmakers accepting gifts and trips last year. Oh, this is always so good. Let's keep voting the same people in the legislature and then expect different the things. Political prostitution gifts. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Oh, Ophelia, you've been on my mind since the flood. Everyone agrees about the wipers, by the way. Very funny. Somebody just sent me a screen grab of a, somebody saying, well, they first of all, she said, Shannon's not alone. It says, I'm self-conscious about my windshield wiper speed when it's raining. Like, I got to watch other cars to make sure I'm not being too dramatic. Michelle said, I'm with you on the windshield wiper thing. I don't know why, but it seriously irritates me when people use hyperactive mode for sprinkles. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like an OCD thing maybe for all of Do us. You, are you an underwiper? I would, I'm an underwiper. Absolutely. Why'd you just make me say that? You suck. I find Leave the windshield town. wipers to be more obstructive to my viewing than the droplets. A lot of times, yeah. Especially if you keep your windshield clean. You put a product on it that uh, helps right, wa- the water feed like off. Right, that's spray. Like Rain-X? Yeah. yeah. Rain-X. Not that I was giving them a specific plug. Oh, it works. Yeah, whatever. A product like Rain-X would be great. Um, but yeah, I find the windshield wipers to be annoying. I want them out of the way. So I'm also an in- intermittent, low Low intermittent. intermittent. As low as possible. I just wonder what's wrong with people when they're not that way. I don't know. <laughs> Bizarre. All right. California lawmakers were showered with gifts last year to the tune of $810,000. Who was giving them these gifts, you ask? Excellent question. Interest groups, powerful interest groups. The people lobbying the state, they handed out concert, professional sports tickets, spa treatments. Ooh, spa treatments. Do you think any of those were Orchids of Asia spa treatments? Possibly. I mean, you have to keep that door open, don't you? Do you? Well, I mean, you don't want to, but it's a possibility. Gourmet trips. I mean, excuse me, gourmet dinners and trips to a dozen uh, countries. This is, and this, by the way, is not a one-sided thing. This is Republican and Democrat. Both sides are responsible and uh, should be uh, implicated in this scheme to take things for free. 
the the job of being a lawmaker at any level, whether it's the county level, I mean, you're talking metropolitan, you work on the city council, state, federal, whatever it is. This is not a perk. I, this is not a perk that you should be allowed to take. Yeah, this is how they pad those salaries. They make about $110,000, and these gifts allow them to live a much more lavish lifestyle than $110,000 can afford. Most of the trips are billed as study or trade missions. Mm-hmm. Others involve speeches and panel discussions. Like what, what countries would you say, what travel destinations would you say they go to? Well, I'll tell you one that's on the list that is sheer uh, Aspen, Aspen, Colorado. What what kind of panel are you going to be on in Aspen? What kind of tr- uh, study or trade mission takes you to Aspen? No, I, what about you know Maui? what takes you to Aspen? Skiing, skiing, yeah, hot toddies. Oh yeah, that sounds good. Maui, who goes to, who goes to Maui on business on a trade mission? Trade, yeah. Uh, we're putting together a panel of people to talk about the beaches, and we're wondering if maybe you could bring your California knowledge to Maui. New Orleans. You don't go to New Orleans for a trade mission. You go there to drink hurricanes, wander into jazz clubs, and make good decisions. No, good decisions, definitely not. No? Ray Lopez Calderon is executive director of California Common Cause, this watchdog organization, and puts this list out. It says, the truth is the vast majority of gifts and trips are given because the gift givers want something in return. No S. It's Ray. just he says it's not just a question of the gift giver wanting something in return, but that the public could infer that uh, could infer that even if it's not true, there's potential for the public's faith in government to be undermined. How it's not undermined, if you read through this, is what's what floors me. That somebody would see this and say, "Oh, oh, it's totally explainable." Anthony Rendon, Democrat out of Lakewood, Assembly Speaker. More than $1,800 in tickets to sporting events, including $460 for a pair of tickets to Game 5 of the World Series. Well, listen, those those seats went for much more than $460. True. Uh, Dante Acosta, he got a luxury box seat, 615 bucks to watch the Dodgers play the Red Sox in the World Series. Okay, a luxury box seat is not worth $615 when it's the World Series. But That's hey, like thousands of dollars. But you're going to pay face value. That's what you're going to put down, aren't you? Um, the group was called Communities for California Card Rooms. The board of directors is made up of con- casino operators. Um, Stephen Choi, Republican, Irvine, attended an Aerosmith concert, or I should say a Stephen Tyler concert. I'm not sure if it was considered Aerosmith. The gift was provided by Pachanga. Lodging, meals, the whole package was a value of about 400 bucks. Evan Lowe, Democrat out of Campbell. $238 ticket from AT&T to a Kate. Katy I'm Perry sorry, concert? Evan. A Katy Perry concert? Evan Lowe. Looking him up right now. I feel like that. <sighs> that, well. And then there was a, oh, he is young. Assemblyman Brian Dahl. Gifts including tickets worth $882 to Disney on Ice. That's suspicious, Brian. $882 worth of Disney on Ice tickets. You better have kids. You better have 15 kids. Let's see here. He's 52. Lawmakers who received the most. They have three children. The most gifts in the two houses. On the state Senate side, ladies and gentlemen, 
Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco. The Democrat accepted $59,000 travel, meals, and other gifts. How do you spend $59,000 on travel, meal, and other gifts? Assemblyman Mike Gibson wins for the Assembly. The Democrat out of Carson. His tally was a... a paltry $41,400. All right, I've, uh, I've opened up Wiener's books here. Wiener's trips included a $15,000 study. T- what What did I say? You're taking a closer look? Yeah. At, I don't think I said anything dirty. You're taking a closer look at who? Don't bait her. Wiener's trips. Got it. It's his name. <laughs> Come on. A little decorum here. You're right. Would be nice. Oh, decorum. here? Here? This show? Wiener's trips included a $15,000 study trip to Japan. Studying what? I don't know. Japan? $12,000 trip over 11 days to the Netherlands. Okay, a 15... Oh, wait, hold on. Let me just put a little perspective on this. $15,000 trip to Japan for 10 days. That's $15,000. I went to Japan Uh eight years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a deal read, I read about in the L.A. Times. It was $500 per person, maybe a little bit more, round-trip airfare. And then I think it was, uh, I think about uh, a week or so. The whole trip was, for a week, was less than $2,000. Well, he's more important than $15, you are. $15,000. 12,000 over 11 days in the Netherlands to examine flood management, infrastructure, and dikes. $11,000 trip over two weeks in Chile to discuss clean energy and emergency preparedness. There, and there's, by the way, there's zero shame. Oh, yeah. These people, you, you ask them and they'll, they'll explain to you seven ways to Sunday about why it is they needed a $15,000 study trip in Japan for 10 days. Okay. Okay. Did you know the Fred Hall show is back? I'm so thankful for that thing. It starts today. It goes through uh, Sunday, as a matter of fact. Don't miss out on one of America's largest fishing and boat shows in the western United States. Ultimate experience with hunting, camping, fishing, diving, off-road vehicles, water sports. You can get all the information on the Fred Hall show at the Long Beach Convention Center March 6th. That's today through the 10th at fredhall.com. But... We have a four-pack of tickets that you can pick up. All you got to do is call 1-800-520-1KFI. Caller number six is going to get that four-pack of tickets, 1-800-520-1534. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time time to call. call. Let's call. One of our favorite true crime stories when we come back. So Gary and Shannon, it's uh, Wednesday. It is March 6th. A couple stories that we've been keeping our eyes on. Things are going to dry out, it looks like, for the next couple of days. Just some scattered showers still possible through the course of today. And things drying out, it looks like, over the weekend. And temperatures close to 60. So that should be a a nice break after what we've seen for a while. The uh, Wisconsin, uh, sorry, Michigan Democrat, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, says she is going to introduce legislation soon um, to impeach the president. Uh, Some people have, some Democrats have said, please, whatever you do, do not do that. 
It's not going to help anybody out, at least no Democrats out, when it comes to the election in 2020. Well, two sisters, Mary Beth and Linda, a couple years apart, said goodbye to their father, Anthony, in 2015. He, he died of natural causes in 2015, or so deputies thought. Now it's the sisters on the hook for the murder, and their problem was a man. The reason they're on the hook for the murder is because of a man. Okay, hold on a second. The, men didn't, the man didn't make them commit the murder. No, but he did rat them out. Yes. March of 2015, paramedics were called to the, the Anthony Tomaselli home after the daughters, again, in their 60s, said that they found dad on the couch, not breathing. They performed CPR. They couldn't save him. His longtime doctor said, this guy's 85, and even at that age, he was pushing it. He's, you know, he'd had a cancer, dementia, heart problems, pacemaker. Now the sheriff is calling Anthony's death the perfect murder. The sheriff says the daughters conspired to kill him. Now, they're not saying that they did it specifically for money, although they did get some money in the sale, I guess, of his house. They split the proceeds. But... The the I guess dad had said he didn't want to go on. He he knew that he wasn't going to be around for much longer, he but he made want to go into assisted living yeah, or anything like key. that. And so the daughters decide to take matters into their own hands. And so is there a little bit of a mercy killing going on here? Sounds like it. They plotted to make it look like he died in his sleep. They gave their father uh, a drink. And they laced it with sleeping pills, hoping it would kill him. But they put too much alcohol in the drink. It diluted the pills, and they were ineffective. So the father's lying on the couch. He's still moving. His breathing is labored. So they try to suffocate him with a pillow. That doesn't work. Well, boy. So they hold down his arms. They grab a rag. They shove it down his throat, and they pinched his nose. Finally, the father stopped breathing. Now, while this is going on, Mary Beth's own grown daughter is upstairs asleep because the sleeping pills that she didn't give grandpa, the ones that were left over, she gave to her daughter so she wouldn't wake up during the murder of the father. Now, here's where it gets weird. Er. Mary Beth goes to a bar in August. Hey, girl. And she meets a guy. Mm-hmm. And they start clapping. Yeah. Then she introduces the guy to her sister, and they start. This is my sister, Linda. So the guy in the bar is 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 banging around with both of the sisters. Well, for and for a few months. For a few months, and this is the problem with murder. It's a hard secret to keep. Is and it, one of the sisters. Is it really? I would imagine. How do you live with that? Quietly. You're scaring me right now. So one of the sisters tells the guy everything. And he calls the police and he tells them everything. Now, the takeaway for the story is don't sleep with the same guy your sister's sleeping with. Wait. Can we go back a few months before that happened? When? A few years, actually, and say... 
don't kill your own father. Oh, there's that too. I mean, let's start with that one as the don't kill your own father. And then if you do find yourself in a situation whereby you have killed your own father, then don't get into relationship with the same guy that your sister's involved with. These women were ready to spill their guts when the police caught up with them. They wanted to tell their story. They were tired of living with that secret. You mentioned money was a factor. Yes, they did get about $120,000 profit from selling dad's home that they split between each other and their brother. Yeah, and you asked if this may have been a mercy killing in terms of their mentality of it. The detective said that when the the sisters were spilling their guts, they were using words like premeditated and euthanized several times in their interviews and in the recording that this guy provided that the uh, unnamed boyfriend of both women provided. So, hey, the biggest stars in music have been nominated for the 2019 iHeartRadio Music Awards. Alicia Keys, Ariana Grande, Garth Brooks, Halsey, John Legend, Casey Musgraves. Special appearance from Taylor Swift is scheduled. You can check out all the nominees for the 2019 iHeartRadio Music Awards and cast your votes at iHeartRadio.com slash awards or check out the iHeartRadio Twitter account now. And there's a, still a limited number of tickets available for the live show through AXS.com. But we have a pair of tickets and we are both busy that night. So we're going to give them to you. Caller number six for the 2019 iHeartRadio Music Awards. Caller number six is going to win a pair of tickets. 800 520 one KFI. That's eight hundred five two zero one five three four. Yeah, it's time to call. Come on, it's time to call. Let's call. Yeah. Watch the iHeartRadio <laughs> Music Awards live on Fox coming up next Thursday, March fourteenth, eight o'clock central. You can hear it right here on iHeartRadio and a couple of other places. Another chance to win is coming up on the Conway Show tonight on iHeartRadio on KFI. Woo. That is a little frightening. Isn't that frightening? When you don't expect it. That's what happened. I didn't expect it. Did you show Monica? I'll show her right now. Okay, go show Uh Monica. Oh, no. Did you see what happened to her? Somebody. Oh, yeah, the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to show me again. No. It's so creepy. Check out. (laughs) I don't like it. Social media at Gary Can you imagine having that thing close to your face Uh. and not knowing what's in it? And then thinking for a split second, wow, my eyes have gotten really yeah, dark. So I'm yeah. going to check I've my really lipstick. I've really got these bug eyes going. And I open my compact mirror to yeah. check my lipstick so it's this <laughs> close to my face. Ding. And it's two Momo pictures oh, on boy. both sides of the mirror. you got to check it out on uh, on our social it's media. Terrifying. It's terrible. But I do love your reaction. I laughed with you. Um, that was my second reaction. <laughs> my first reaction is I threw it across the room. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, Gary Chan, and we'll be back right after this. Gary and Shannon. John and Show is coming up in just a few minutes. But I wanted to circle back to one of the stories we told you about right at the beginning of the show. R. Kelly sits down for an 80-minute interview with Gail King. We've got fresh R. Kelly news, though. We'll get into the fact that he lost lost it with Gail. But he's just been taken into custody. There was a hearing in Chicago over unpaid child support. Uh Uh-oh. He was taken into custody, will be transferred to the county jail. We don't know why he was taken into custody. Whether it had to do with the unpaid child support he owes, according to the spokesperson there. 
He was charged, of course, last month with 10 counts of aggravated sexual abuse pertaining to four women from years ago. Three were underage at the time. And in that interview, he uh, he denied wrongdoing. Well, true. Have you ever had sex uh, no. with anyone under the age of 17? No. Never? No. I have to tell you, it's so hard to believe that based on all that we've read. I'm going to tell you something, Gail. There's one you. I'm going to tell you something. What women said about you. What women said about me. What women? So nobody's allowed to be mad at me and be yeah. scorned and, and lie on me. Mm-hmm. So they're lying on you. That's your explanation. They're lying on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, that's from this morning from CBS This Morning with Gail King. Um, he went on to say that she asked, how could they all have the same story? And his answer was, all it takes is one person to spread something on a blog somewhere online. And then the other women come out and just repeat the, a similar story. That was his defense. Joycelyn Savage is the 23-year-old woman who lives with him now. Remember her parents, they held a news conference in Georgia. They said they hadn't spoken to their daughter in two years. They think that R. Kelly's holding her against her will. Apparently, she spoke to her parents today. There was a phone call, and she told them in this phone call that she's happy with R. Kelly, that she's told them million, a million times that she's okay where she is and that they need to stop. The call was on speakerphone at the office of the couple's lawyer and was captured on cell phone video and posted on Twitter. He has said uh, a couple of times that the reason that those women who are currently living with him, she's one of them. There's another one that that they're both 21, 23 years old, something like that. He made a reference to them in this interview today where he said the parents basically sold those girls to him. That was the word he used, that, that the, the dad, for example, took one of the girls to a concert that he was in and then asked one of R. Kelly's friends to mentor her in the music business. And he's like, why would you ever do that? Why, why would you do I wouldn't do that with my 19-year-old daughter. Think about that. In the context of all of this stuff, R. Kelly has a 19-year-old daughter. There's real young girls out there being abducted, being raped, okay? They really are on chains. They really do have chains on their uh, on their wrists and they can't get out. Robert, and they're ending up buried in deep. Robert, we have to have a conversation. Really, I, I don't want you just ranting at the camera. Well, I, think I came here for them to hear me okay, talk. But I need help. What kind of help? This is the kind of help I need. Yes, what kind of help? I need somebody to help me not have a big heart. <laughs> because my yeah, heart right. is so big. People betray thinking. me and I keep forgiving them. You sound like you're playing the victim here. You sound like R. Kelly. You do. When I listen to you, I'm it just telling the like truth. You're I'm just telling the, the truth. Robert. Stop it. Y'all quit playing. Quit playing. Robert. I didn't do this stuff. This is not me. Y'all, I'm fighting for my life. Y'all killing me with this. I gave y'all 30 years of my life. Robert. 30 years of my career. Y'all trying to kill me. You're killing me, man. So. I thought it was interesting at the end of all of this, or in one of the breaks, they didn't play the whole interview. She said, uh, Gail said at one point they had 80 minutes worth of footage of him doing this, uh, getting super excited about this, jumping up out of his chair, which is the part you couldn't actually see. 
And somebody asked, Were, did, uh, did you feel threatened at all what by this? What is most revealing of this interview as well, the pounding of the fist, the getting up. I was worried about you. I, I was actually worried about you when I saw the pictures. Well, it's funny. A favorite son, favorite daughter, and Oprah all called me and said, were you afraid? Did you think he was going to hit you? I actually never thought that. I think that he was, I thought I might get accidentally clobbered, but I didn't think that he would deliberately try to hurt me. I never felt in danger talking to him. A frustrating thing, I think uh, it was Oprah who suggested on Twitter that the CBS play the whole interview so that we could get the full scope of this. But there I were... don't need to have 80 minutes of R. Kelly. Well, it, it's just... I don't need the full scope. Especially if it's R. Kelly just saying that he's the victim in all of this. That somehow right. he's the one who is being persecuted here for his sex with underage girls. How in the world... The, the family, one of the, the lawyer, you mentioned that lawyer for that family came out and said, hey, we're happy he did this interview today because we're going to use it against him. We hope the prosecutors use it against him when they charge him officially. So, hey, um, yes, guess what we're doing next Friday? We're going to be out at uh, Old Stump. Old Stump Brewing Brewing Company Company in Pomona, 10 to 2 for our latest news and brews. Come celebrate St. Patrick's Day early with us. It is Friday, March 15th, 10 to 2. It's going to be fun. We're going to drink. We're going to have laughs and no dark stories. <laughs> no dark stories. That's a good way to. It's a good pitch for you. But come on out and say hi. Oh, and we have some gifts as well that we're working we on. We do. Of giving away, not just the trash from our office, not just that stuff. I mean, we might have some of that stuff, but not all of that stuff. So mark it on your calendar next Friday. Old oh, Stuff Brewing no. Company in Pomona. Yes. Alex Trebek has just been diagnosed stage four pancreatic cancer. That's not good. Oh my God. They say that he wants to we finish have... the current season of Jeopardy. Good news? Is there any good news in there? In that little machine that you have in front of you? No. I don't think so. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to go to yoga. Stay dry, everybody. Blessing. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to... Gary and Shannon. Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree. By offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel, the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.